Ask for money and you get advice. Ask for advice and you get money. Buying and selling businesses just got a lot easier. Welcome to the Web Equity Show, where thousands of successful entrepreneurs go to learn about buying, growing, and selling online businesses. Your hosts, Justin Cook and Ace Chapman, share their real-life advice, examples, and expert interviews to help you build and grow your own online portfolio. Now to your hosts, Justin and Ace. Welcome to episode eight of the Web Equity Show. I'm your host, Justin Cook. I'm here with my co-host, Ace Chapman. What's going on, buddy? What is up, big guy? We're talking raising capital from investors. If you want to put some money together and buy some online businesses and websites, this will be the episode for you. We're going to talk about where to find investors. We're going to talk about how to leverage your networks. We're going to talk deal structure. We're even going to get into what to do when you're told no by a particular investor. And that's something that Ace has learned a lot about. Yeah, I've been raising money for a long time now. It's crazy to think I did my first capital raise 16 years ago. So I'm going to talk about some of the lessons that I've learned and some of the things I've learned helping clients to raise capital as well. So this will be an interesting episode for anybody that's thought about raising capital to either do bigger deals or do more deals. Yeah, this is really for when you have the money, you don't want to use all of your own money, or you just don't have enough money to really you know, move the needle to make an impact and you need to raise money from other people to get these larger deals done. I think you're going to dig this show. Before we do that, man, let's talk Twitter. We've got uh, WP Mand over on Twitter said, Empire Flippers, I got a question for you. Where's the subscription URL? I can find the podcast on your website, but no link for my app to auto download. Honestly, man, I don't know. I mean, I know that we're in iTunes. I know that we're in Stitcher. I can get the downloads there. I'm going to look for a link where you can get it in your app. You're going to have to let me know what app that is, though, buddy. We've also got Kevin Grunert said on Twitter, hey, guys, are you hosting a meetup before DCBKK? DCBKK is a dynamite circle meetup. It's for location-independent entrepreneurs, and they meet up every year in October in Bangkok. Ace and I are both going to be there, so that'll be kind of interesting. We're thinking about maybe putting a dinner together or kind of getting some people together. If you're in the Dynamite Circle and you'd like to meet up with us, definitely give us a shout, and we'll see if we can do a dinner or drinks or something and meet up with you when we're there. Yeah, we're going to do something, so just reach out to us as we get closer to the date, and we'll figure it out and connect with you. All right, buddy. Craig had a question for me. He said, uh, there's a .com I'd like for a new blog. It was first registered in 2015, but somehow got valued at 2000 Any tips for talking them down? I told him negotiating a domain down you know, can be difficult. Can't hurt to ask, but have backups ready to go in case they don't budge. One of the problems with negotiating domains is sometimes when you let them know you're interested, they'll actually bump the price of the domain. So it's kind of like they're fishing. They throw a number out there. If you come to them showing you're interested, all of a sudden there's a new potential buyer and they're bidding the price up and it gets kind of ugly. I found the best thing with domains is once you let them know that you're semi-interested one of the things is letting them know that you've got a lot of options, and so it's only going to be if you can get it at a reasonable price. Another strategy is just to let them know you're interested, walk away if you've got the time, and then come back later and say, oh, yeah, I almost forgot about this. But, yeah, are you still interested in selling? That way they know this isn't a top priority, a crucial thing that you need in your business. Yeah, in fact, just don't hinge your business on it, right? That's one of the things he said. He said that his backup is in the bag. It wasn't quite as witty as the original, but he'll see how it goes. By the way, love your guys' new podcast. Thanks, Craig. Really appreciate it. All right, man, what do you think? You ready to get into the episode? Let's jump in. 
One of the questions we get most often from people looking to buy a website or an online business is where do I find the money? How do I raise the money? How do I get the money to be able to purchase this website or business that may be out of their reach in terms of the cash they have put together? Today, we're talking about raising capital to make an acquisition and raising that capital from individual investors. It's easier than ever to reach out to investors. There are a ton of angel investors out there looking to invest in business. Money is not the problem. There's definitely plenty of money to find. Yeah, it's one of the sides of that is the fact that it's easier than ever to find investors. I mean, I think back to raising money for my very first business and a lot of resources that we have access to now just didn't exist. But also there just weren't investors that really were publicly identifying themselves as investors and now each city has you know even small towns you know i know in chattanooga we've got a few different angel investor networks and that kind of thing and you have people that are adding to their linkedin profile that they like to invest or here's some of the investments that they're doing and that's just a whole new entrepreneurs and business buyers to go out and connect with those folks yeah, when it comes to, you know, we're talking about raising money, this isn't the Twitter or Facebook backed type businesses. We're not saying that you go to Silicon Valley and make the rounds with the VCs. That's not all we're talking. This is like, you know, raising money for the rest of us. So whether you're in Chattanooga, Orlando or Sacramento, we're going to show you some ways that you can find investors and raise money for your deals. In fact, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit, Ace, we've talked about it on the show, but you know, my business partner and I right now are raising money. I'm using the air quotes right now, but we're raising money. Basically, we're looking for investors that are looking to make passive investments to buy portfolios of sites. And, you know, it's at first we did all this planning and all this work behind it. And we took a really long time, months and months of trying to determine like what's going to be exactly right. And what we realized is that, you know, until we started talking to the right people, they're going to tell us what works and what doesn't. So us trying to plan for what we thought they needed. Yeah, that was kind of silly. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's neat to be able to go out and just listen. So one of the biggest mistakes people make is trying to sell an investment as opposed to listening to the market. But I mean, it's easier. Like you said, Justin, there's a lot of money out there. I've had clients come in that, you know, just come from backgrounds where they are certainly not salespeople. I mean, literally from accountants to programmers that have never dealt with doing sales and we're kind of walking them through a process and a lot of things we're going to go through today. And a lot of those guys are going out and raising capital. And so that's been exciting. I know just over the last six years of working with clients, it's definitely a lot easier now. And so sometimes it's just the economy impacts that and people feeling like, oh yeah, things are good right now. People are a lot more likely to invest when things are, are good and the news is saying the economy is good as opposed to recession. So that comes to play. And I've had experience in a lot of different contexts. I raised money for my very first deal a couple of times. One, just to buy the business. And the second was to get some growth capital. And a lot of, part of the reason that I went the individual investor route was because I was too young to do anything else. That was my only option. So I was able to kind of start to figure those things out. And then over the last 16 years, have tweaked and improved some of those processes. So this is a subject that is near and dear to my heart because a lot of people are intimidated by going after individual investors. And that in and of itself creates the opportunity because everybody that's going after these guys are the people that are trying to sell the next Twitter 
And so when you come in and say, hey, I've got a real business, it's making real money, you know, I'm looking for capital, I can give an amazing return, and I don't have to be the next Twitter in order for you to get your money back, that creates a need opportunity. So, you know, let's talk about just some of the things that are different today. You know, we talk about the access to information. Back when I raised money for my very first deal, you know, there weren't these things like angel lists or even crowdfunding lending sites like Prosper and Lending Club. And so you've got all of these resources where you can go out and connect to individual investors that are looking to either lend or invest cash. The really interesting thing is that those resources are nice, but you know, the other thing that you've got access to now is the other things that those investors have invested in. And so there may be cases where people have invested in deals that aren't the kind of explosion type of businesses where, you know, from an investor standpoint, it's either they're going to make a ton of money or zero. And so you can get that kind of information from a place like an angel list. It makes it a lot easier to go after those folks. And then, you know, most importantly, man, it's hard for us to kind of think back. But number one, when I first started, there wasn't even information on the legalities of how to raise money and what to do, what not to do. It was really, really hard to go out and just search for that info. The other side of it was once you got the info, you have to figure out, okay, how do I go out and find and contact an investor? And now we've got huge databases of people that we can just shoot an email to in something like a LinkedIn. Here's something else. Going back to, you know, people trying to come up to investors and say they're the next, you know, Facebook or Twitter, they're gonna five hundred X their company or whatever. Like those people are going to get the right investors for them. If you're not looking to do that, then you don't need to pitch it that way either, right? There are going to be investors out there that are looking for real businesses with, you know, more normal returns, not a ridiculous either valuation or potential valuation when you sell the business off. They're looking for more stable businesses to invest in. And if you pitch them with, you know, your offer, it's going to be better. Now, the other thing is you were kind of forced to raise money because you're doing this when you're young and didn't have enough money to really make a big deal. So you were kind of, it was like, uh, you know, a necessity thing for you. But I think that's great because, you know, you were forced to kind of learn how to do it at a young age. You know, I think kids today, kids today, the young guys and gals today have it much easier, right? You can Google it. You can Google a lot of the information that's out there to find out more about how to raise money, about the way deals are structured, about you know how to get deals done, about how to you know pitch your business to the investor. The other thing is is that when you're pitching these businesses, and we talk about you know money being easy, it is easy, but it's not like you say, okay, hey, I have this website I want to buy. I mean, you got to kind of work through it. Your first pitch may be horrible, and the investor is going to give you some great information about you know how to take it to your next investor. So you're going to iterate on kind of your first pitch to your second pitch, and eventually you're going to hone that and do. I think a much better job. Yeah, yeah. You've got kind of three aspects to this that, you know, today the internet just makes a lot easier. One is finding the people. You know, you've got to be able to get in touch with potential investors. And, you know, I think back to the day where a lot of that was you had to know somebody who was wealthier, was an investor, know somebody that knew somebody, that kind of thing. The next is the how-to. So how are you going to pitch it and 
getting feedback from the market. And then the last is the legal side, which, you know, is something that you want to pay attention to because there are regulations. I know as investors, we love being the renegades and kind of pushing the envelope and that kind of thing. But, you know, from the beginning, I was always careful not to end up in the SEC's crosshairs. <laughs> Well, let's talk about this. We got four kind of main areas we want to cover. We're talking about, you know, the first section being finding investors, the second being, you know, talking about advice versus money, the third being, you know, how to make connections, and and the fourth, basically just bringing home the cash. But to get started, let's talk about finding investors. You know, as I mentioned before, it's it's much easier to find investors than it was before with things like angels list. You can see what people are investing in, what people are interested in, and you can, you know, find that money, I think, a lot easier than you were able to before. Now, I wouldn't recommend that as the first place to start, but I would recommend that in terms of seeing what people are investing in, what kind of deals are being made, and see how you can fit your offer or match your offer to something that people are already investing in. It's a lot easier to raise money for something that there's already a need in the market than trying to raise money for something that you're not really sure if anyone's interested in that kind of idea. Yeah, I think the really neat thing is we're looking at and where those problems come into play is being able to find a small business that replicates something that a larger business that, that they may have been invested in does. And so if you're, you've got a SaaS business and it's right in line with something that that investor has already invested in, it may be an opportunity to kind of leverage up into a much bigger business. At the very beginning, kind of the foundation, you always want to start with your network. You know, when I go back to my very first deal, it was a buddy of mine, a friend of mine, who I was just talking about the deal, had no idea that he had the cash, and, you know, talking to him about this opportunity, I had no idea how I was going to get close, and he was interested in putting some money in. It got a little more into being a process once I wanted to raise the growth capital, but we're seeing that a lot with clients, where, number one, a lot of the people that will invest in your business they, you may not know that they have the money. I, I think back to a deal we did with a, a mom in South Dakota, and she, we found the perfect business for uh, just about larger than than the size that she, we were able to get her financing for. And she's kind of talking to uh, some family members, and they said, "Hey, we want to just fund the whole thing." <laughs> And she actually thought that these family members were absolutely broke, but turns out they wanted everybody to think they were broke because they had a ton of money. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. She, she probably had that question. Like, are you sure it's okay? Are you sure you have enough money to fund this entire thing? I think your point is right, Ace. Like the easiest way to raise money is from people who know, like, and trust you. Right. And often that you know, ends up being friends and family. And like you mentioned, you don't know exactly which friends or family may have money or may be looking for the kind of opportunity that you found and that you want to work on. And this has always been the case, right? It's much easier to raise money from friends and family. But what I think is interesting is that today your network may extend much you know, wider and deeper than close friends and family. And I think this has to do with you know things like social media and connections we have online. I knew a guy, his name's uh, Steve Espinoza, and he had a startup. It was in California, in Southern California, actually. And he was a big fan of Jason Calacanis, right? And so he followed him on Twitter and everything. And Jason was asking about, you know, tickets to a Lakers game that was going on. And so Steve tweeted him and said, you know, he's like, uh, Jason, some about, does anyone have tickets to the game? So Steve tweets him right away. He's like, yes, dude, have great tickets. We'd love to take you if you want to meet up. 
And then so they start private messaging. And Jason's like, yeah, sure, let's meet up. So they set a time to meet up. And then Steve's like, holy shit, I don't have tickets to the Lakers game. I have to get some. So <laughs> he didn't have any tickets at all. He looks on Craigslist, buys up some tickets, meets Jason, and goes to the Lakers game with him. And so they get a chance to kind of talk. You know, Steve talks about his business a little bit. Jason says, hey, you know, I think I'd be willing to invest. I think I know some other people would be willing to invest. He ends up getting Jason involved. He invests in his business. He gets Eric Schmidt, CEO of uh, Google, to invest in his business. He got, uh, who's the other guy? The wine guy. Really popular. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I don't, I, it's not coming to mind, but I, I'm familiar with the story. But yeah, the I guy does all the social media stuff. He gets him to invest in yeah. his business. Yeah, it's Gary, Gary V. So he gets a, just a bunch of people to invest in his business based on this one tweet that Jason put out about wanting to go to a Lakers game. He responded, said he has tickets, even though he didn't, hooked it up, and then just made a ton of connections from that. So, I mean, I think, you know, social media is a great way to kind of, you know, work your connections and be able to respond to people that you wouldn't normally be able to connect with. But even if you get outside of social media and you want to get a little more local, you can look at groups like Meetup that have local meetups for investors looking for things to invest in, talking about what they're working on and where they're at. And I think you can get involved in those groups as well. Yeah, I think that's so crucial is pay attention to the investors in your local market. You know, on the news, on Bloomberg, CNBC, Silicon Valley gets all of the attention, or New York City gets a ton of attention. And the truth is there are people with a lot of money everywhere who love to invest in opportunities. And so as kind of small business guys, a lot of times we take for granted what we were talking about earlier in the fact that we're getting amazing returns. I mean, when you look at buying a business that's going to pay for itself in two years, Private equity guys would kill for those kinds of returns. They're, they're buying assets that take 9, 10, 12 years to pay for themselves. So the fact that you have that incredible multiple is just something that a lot of people outside of our world aren't even aware exists. So you go to these meetups and you're meeting people on a local level, you're exposing them to a whole new asset class and opportunity for them to invest in. We've had a lot of wins just because a lot of people have no idea this opportunity exists and the fact that you're willing to go out and do the legwork to make these deals happen. So, you know, I agree with you, Justin, going to the meetups. Another thing is going to angel networks. I mean, they have business competitions, business plan competitions sometimes. And it's not something where you're going to go and necessarily enter the competition. But obviously, there are a lot of investors that are coming and checking out the businesses. And so that gives you an opportunity to build a relationship with those guys and, you know, and again, introduce them to this alternative asset class that they could come in and invest in alongside of you. A lot of times, Ace, you know, we get caught up in this bubble of being on the internet. And so we're connected to a bunch of other people via the internet, right? And so everyone's trying to raise money from other people on the internet. And so I, I really like what you're saying about, you know, kind of taking, you know, this asset class that you know about in terms of like, you know, running websites, and online businesses, and then going offline, right? Going to the places that, that people aren't pitching them, which is like meetup groups and, and being able to connect that way or, you know, conferences or that kind of thing. And then being able to connect with them in person because, you know, like I said before, people who know, like, and trust you are more likely to get involved in a deal. Meeting them in person, there's something about face-to-face -face meetups that just makes it a lot better. I mean, 
there's just more trust built than a Skype call. It's just not the same thing. So yeah, I love taking these kind of like online asset classes and bringing them to kind of like an offline market of investors that would be interested in these types of deals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Huge, huge opportunity there. All right, man. So truth is advice is where the money at. You know, there's that old saying, ask for money and you get advice. Ask for advice and you get money. And I think the truth is a lot of times you can take the advice you get and turn it into money. So if you're going to people and asking them about your business, right, you're, you know, hoping that they'll help you, you know, figure something out or, or solve a problem or raise money or whatever it is, you know, sometimes they'll give you the money, but when they give you advice, they're telling you how to pitch the next investor, right? So they say, Hey, you know, this isn't terribly clear to me, or I wish I knew a little bit more about this. I don't really understand X, Y, and Z about your business. That's basically saying that, you know, you weren't terribly clear with this investor on what you were looking for. Yeah, I learned this by accident because, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of information on the Internet about raising capital back then. So I literally just needed the advice. <laughs> and I went to a guy that we knew, you know, like everybody knows the family knows the person that has a lot of money. And I sat down with them and just kind of asked them, like, OK, I've got this business. I want to raise some capital to grow it what do I need to do? And the really neat thing is that, you know, in the back of my head, quite honestly, just like anybody else, I was hoping that he just said, you know what, don't worry about figuring that out. I'm going to give you the money. <laughs> and that didn't happen. But it, it's because of him that I raised the capital. And so it's so crucial in this that you look at your network as valuable and every connection that you get has something to provide. And a lot of times that's, that could be an intro to somebody else, but getting going to them and just asking advice as opposed to going to them and asking for money, it just makes it a lot easier to get the deal done. People are a lot more likely to help you in like a mentorship role or whatever if you come to them and are asking for advice or help, right? If you kind of explain your business and you know your shit, you have your stuff together but you go to them and say, look, I would love to sit down with you. Can I buy you dinner or something? And you know them. You already have an established relationship. And you sit down and kind of explain you know, where you're planning to go, see if this is clear or that's clear. People would much rather help you in that situation because you're coming to them hat in hand. And people like to help in general. Definitely the people that you want to be talking to. And I think sitting down with those types of mentors is going to build the relationships that are eventually going to lead you to capital. If you're sitting down with them and maybe it's not the right investment for them, but they'll be able to tell you, hey, you know what? I know some other people I think that might be a good fit. And you don't have to be shy about asking. You can ask them, hey, do you know anyone that you think would be a good fit for? Or like, you know, what's the type of person? What's the type of investor I should be looking for based on you know what we've talked about today? And most of the time, they'd be willing to help you out. Yeah, I think one of the biggest keys to this, like I said, even if in the back of your head you're thinking, hey, maybe this person wants to invest in the business, you've got to honestly seek the advice and implement it and really take it to heart when you're talking to these folks. It gives them the sign of, hey, you're good at listening and you pay attention to what other folks say. I had a guy recently who was an old client. We got a deal done from a few years ago and he came back to me trying to raise capital for a different deal and, you know, went through this process, asked for advice and that kind of thing. We're on the phone talking and, you know, I, I kind of, I'm like, well, one of the things you should think about is maybe doing this. And he comes back like immediately without even thinking about it. Well, no, that, that's not going to work. I can't do that. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we keep going. And then I, I mentioned something else. Well, you know, you may want to tweak this. Like, no, no, I can't do that. Da, 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 da. 
So, of course, I said nothing for the rest of the time, and he's going on and on and on. And then eventually he's like, so what do you think? I was like, well, you know, and it's one of those times where you start to think like, man, should I really be honest with this guy <laughs> and tell him the truth or just, you know, let him go on and, and that kind of thing. But I decided, you know, like, I'll tell him, like, you know, the bottom line is you don't seem like open and, and willing to listen. And I don't want to have an investment, even if it turns into a huge thing. I don't want to have a partner or invest in someone that right from the beginning shows me that they're not willing to listen to anything I say, or at least even entertain it and think about it. I mean, you made it clear that you weren't even going to consider that my feedback. So that's something that, you know, when we've got a, a very clear vision of what we want, it's tough to listen to other people. But if you're looking for this kind of capital as opposed to a loan, that's a part of it. You're bringing these people in and you're looking for more than capital. You also want people who are going to be able to give you some good guidance. What can be difficult, though, is like taking their feedback and listening to it and at the same time discounting anything that isn't aligned with your goals. Because even, you know, investors, right, may not be the particular investors for you. So this guy's great. And he gives you advice that he thinks is helpful, but it's actually not helpful for the type of investor you're looking for. So that's, I think, the trick is to learn to weigh, right, the different types of advice you're getting and toss the ones that aren't related. And one of the ways I do that is I try to look, the first thing I'll look at is, are they coming at this from my perspective, right? Are they coming at this like from either from an investor's perspective or from, do they see the vision of where I'm going, right? And if they don't see it or I see that they're kind of putting their own twists and turns on the things, they're putting their own kind of assumptions on the things, then you know, maybe I'm not so interested in listening to that advice. Or if it's kind of what their plan is, is largely outside of kind of my vision for where I'm taking it. If it's a one-off, you know, I may discount that. But if I hear that from several investors and it's kind of a similar mm-hmm. path they want me to be on, then it, it makes me realize, well, okay, well, I had this vision for where I want to take it, but that's not what investors are looking for. Investors are looking for this other vision then I have to make a decision on whether or not that vision matches what I want to do, right? So yes, okay, clearly I can raise the money if I bring on this vision that they're looking for, but is that what I really want for this business, this website, or this company? And that's that's a decision you have to make. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the real key there is letting them know that you are going to honestly think about their advice. So it may not even be that obviously you don't want any investor that feels like you need to do everything I tell you. (laughs) But I think the important thing is, okay, yeah, let me talk to some other people about it and kind of bounce that off the other investors. And so you want to be able to give those kinds of responses and avoid making the investor feel like, Yeah, pretty much everything you say, I am going to discount immediately. (laughs) Yeah, not good. So the, yeah, yeah. So the other thing that's crucial with these is the relationships and networking. This is one of the most powerful aspects to this process. Isn't just getting the money at the end of it. It's this opportunity to, in a kind of tight time frame, have the time and energy that you're really focused on networking and meeting people. And, you know, the investment process is a lot like that whole six degrees of separation thing. You never know when the next deal is going to come up where you need an investor who may have passed on a previous deal 
And now you can go back to him because you did build that relationship. You're funny, Ace. I was reading your notes here, and you put uh, Kevin Bacon and the Six Degrees of Separation. I'm not sure that everyone will get that reference, but basically you did this, right? (laughs) You did this game where you sit around and you try to figure out who you know and who they know and how many points it takes you to get to the actor Kevin Bacon. I don't know. This is like a this is a game. I don't know if you'll play. You know, you would try to figure out how many points or how many people you have to get through to get to Bacon. And and the idea is that through six connections, everyone in the world could be connected to Kevin Bacon. I think your point here is that by making these connections and getting introductions, you can basically get introduced to anybody. You could be, you know, nine year old kid in you know West Africa and get connected to you know trump or something right like it's anyone can do it now maybe much more difficult for that kid than it would be for you ace but like you know what i mean like anyone can do it yeah yeah i mean it it is it's it you know you're looking for the advice and a lot of times when you're the way that whole thing looks is you know you're asking for the advice hey i'm thinking about this and you're going down that line and then at the end of the conversation do you know anybody that might be interested in looking at the deal? Or do you know anybody that might have some interesting feedback that I should talk to? And you start to get these connections. And that's exactly what I've seen in a ton of my deals. Going back to the very first deal, I, I talked about meeting with that the wealthy guy. Well, he didn't even introduce me to another investor. He said, hey, there's an, a really amazing attorney here in town who uh, is great at raising capital. I'm going to connect you to him. So I sit down with the attorney. This guy's brilliant. We still do some things together. It's worked on some a lot bigger deals than what I do. It's like IPOs and that kind of thing. And, you know, it took the time to work with me, actually ended up taking some equity in exchange for his work. And, and that started that whole situation and also was a huge connection because when I sat down with the guy who became my lead investor on that deal, it was the fact that I had this attorney on board that basically within, you know, it's, it's neat. Once you do meet the right person, it can be instant. I mean, I probably got about 45 seconds through my presentation before he said yes and probably and wrote the check within about 15 minutes. So those kind of things are, are what can happen when you have the right connections and you have those introductions. You're not coming in cold. And there isn't all of this due diligence to try to figure things out. It becomes a really easy deal to close because of that introduction. Ace, I know a guy, his name's uh, Jordan Harbinger, and he runs a podcast called the Art of Charm Podcast. Good show. And I met him in Vegas last year. And I actually saw him, we had a couple of beers, and I saw him give a talk on staying connected to people or being connected, making those connections and why they're important. And, And he went into some depth that I thought was actually pretty interesting. And I'd say aside from him, you're one of the other people that I think is just, you know, amazingly good at staying connected to people for first making those connections. You're really friendly, but you also stay in touch. You connect with people and you circle back and connect with them again. I'm pretty good at, at meeting people and talking to people initially. I'm not so good at the reconnecting part. How do you manage that? Like, how do you keep connected with all these people that you've met previously? And how do you keep those fires alive? I don't know a better way to put it, but how do you keep those connections kind of going? Yeah, I I think one of the things that's made it a ton easier is social media. And, you know, just the fact that I do a lot on podcasts and interviews and, you know, just it gives me an opportunity to send things out and kind of stay in touch with folks. But probably the biggest thing is I've got my kind of database of people 
and we're going to talk about the importance of building that, especially with these investors, is the people that you know, okay, you meet somebody and I need to stay connected to this guy. <laughs> you kind of build, and, and for me, it's just a, a simple spreadsheet. And I kind of keep track of, okay, when was the last time I talked to him? Let me reach out to him. And sometimes it could be as simple as just a tweet where you're hitting them up, just, hey, you know, thought about you. Sometimes it could be sharing something that they put out there. And other times it could be a phone call. But yeah, I do think that that is really powerful. And then the other thing is establishing upfront what value you have to offer. So when it comes to investors, I spend a lot of time figuring out from them what they're interested in. And, you know, we just don't do that enough. We're all, most of the time as entrepreneurs, we've got something at that moment that we want to pitch. You know, you've always got something that you're pitching and it's tough to kind of step back and say, no, just tell me what you're interested in. And then I'll just contact you once I got the thing that you want, as opposed to me trying to stuff down your throat the thing that I want you to buy. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So in terms of connecting with someone, trying to figure out a little bit more about them, what they're interested in, that makes sense to me on like, I think a cold reach out, like if you've never connected with them before, but you find out they're very involved in this charity and you get involved in this charity and through that connection, you get connected to them. That kind of makes sense with a, a cold reach out. Maintaining a database. It sounds sleazy. Is that the right word? It just sounds... Sounds bad. Okay, let me <laughs> let me connect with my database and you know make keep these connections going. But it's true, like the more connections you make, the harder it is to kind of keep in contact. If you have some way to help you, I think that's helpful. I use a or I used to use a thing called a Reportive, and it would help me keep notes on everyone. So I could put like little notes next to them and kind of like it would remind me or refresh my memory on kind of where we met or what we're up to. We now use uh for our, our business, we use Entreport. And so I tag people, which again, sounds horrible. It sounds icky, right? But I tag people, um, <laughs> well, a potential investor or, you know, just on, based on a bunch of different tags that we have on kind of where they fit in. And then I can look them back up and, and get in contact when I need to. That's, I mean, I have to use these tools. Otherwise I wouldn't do it. I'm a, it's bad to say, but I'm kind of an out of sight, out of mind guy. Like that's my natural state. And so if I don't use these types of tools, then I don't do it. So I, <laughs> this is how I force myself to get it done. I think one of the ways that you can get an intro is by considering table selection. This is a poker term, right? You want to make sure that you're at the right table. You want to make sure that you're playing with the right stack. I used to kind of laugh at the people who would sign up for those like $1,000 a month masterminds or the $25,000 per year groups or masterminds. I just think, what are they? It seems like guru worship to me, right? They want to be in this guy's club, so they pay all this money so they can be in this guy's club. And I used to think it was... Uh, Silly. I didn't think it was a very good idea, but I don't know now. I'm, I'm rethinking my thoughts on that. And I think my reasoning is, is that you can connect with other people that are at a higher level simply because they have the cash to pay. So if they're paying $1,000 a month because they know it's important to them, it's important to their business, and it's kind of a very side thing. So if $1,000 a month for this expense is a side thing to them, they might be the people that you want to connect with. And they're going to have other connections that can, I think, expand your network. Same thing for a $25,000 a year course. I know some other people offer this. I know, you know, Dan Pena does that $15,000 kind of meetup yep. or whatever in Scotland. And, you know, for my first thought, I was like, that's ridiculous. I'm not going for a week to this castle and paying 15 grand. But I don't know. I mean, you can make other connections with screw the guru, screw the guy at the top. Like it's the other people in the class or in the mastermind that are going to have interesting connections that you're going to connect and bond with and have a lot of opportunity to kind of expand your network.
Yeah, I've had a couple of people join from uh, Dan Pena's seminar and they come to our program afterwards because he does promote the fact that you should have a mentor and promote, you know, connecting with each other and, and that kind of thing. And a lot of you're in a group of people and by just self-selection, you know, everybody else here has paid $15,000 to come to be here. And it's interesting. I actually just joined a group that has a $25,000 level. And then it has like a lower level that I don't even know the cost of. And everybody that paid the 25,000 was instantly like, okay, we want to make sure that we have a separate group that the people that paid 25,000, because that just is a self-selection kind of thing. And again, it's one of those things that just sounds bad and that kind of thing, but it's just the way that the world works. <laughs> it's totally true. I, but you even see this on a lower level. So like, you know, there are free forums and free communities you can get involved with online. And the overall value for, at least for me, goes significantly higher, even when they put on like a $40 a month price tag or a $100 a month price tag, it's significantly better. And it's simply because those people, I think, are paying because they care. Like, it's important to them to be a part of that community. And they're putting their money where their mouth is and paying. And so they're probably, because of that, they're making it more valuable. So if, let's say, a $25,000 a year mastermind is a bit out of your reach or it's not something that you're comfortable with, try paid communities and look at the difference. I think that's interesting. Another thing you can do is attend conferences, right? And they don't have to necessarily be conferences in the exact niche. I like what you were talking about in, in terms of going to, like, some of the uh, investment conferences where they're looking at different startups and that kind of thing, because there are going to be investors there that, yes, they want to invest in a startup that might, you know, 10x or 15x or 20x in the next couple of years. But there might be some people there that would be interested in some other alternative type investments, which could be, you know, websites or online businesses that are already up and earning. And so I think having the chance to talk to them and kind of see what they're looking at and see if they're a good fit is valuable. But, you know, we've talked about like cold reaching out to people. I actually think that's a bit of a loser, man. And you can tell me if I'm wrong or if you think I'm wrong here. But I think trying to just straight up cold call people or trying to pitch them, you know, out of the blue, I think is a really expensive way to raise money. I think it's expensive in terms of time. It's expensive in terms of money. And you're much better off leveraging close relationships, friends and family, looking inside your network, expanding your network to include a larger group and then making those connections. I think you should do all of that first before you do any kind of like cold reach out. Absolutely. I think you one for two reasons. Number one, you got to show that you are kind of you've gotten some, a little bit of work done. I mean, if you do a cold reach out and you've only raised uh, <laughs> zero dollars, then it, nobody so part of that is you can't do the friends and family just because they know I like, can trust you like like we talked about. But you also got to do it even if you plan on reaching out to other folks because you need that done first. But let's talk about how you do that reach out because that's the real crucial thing there. So we have had some success with cold reach out, but we're doing a couple things. Number one, we're looking to see who's connected to that person. So we didn't talk about this with LinkedIn, but man, one of the most powerful things that you've probably noticed is they showed you who is connected to this guy. So you're looking to see two things. Hey, have they invested in a deal like the one that I'm doing? Then you're going over and you're looking to see who's connected to this person to get an intro. Even better, though, is to go to the businesses that that person has invested in. And so especially on a local level, it's really powerful if you can find out, okay, this wealthy guy invested in this deal. 
let me go meet with the entrepreneurs that own that business. So you've already raised a little bit of capital. Let's say you're doing a larger deal. You've raised a little capital from some family. You've gone out, you raised some capital from some friends, maybe even a, a loose thing. And you still some capital. You can go talk to other another business that investor has invested in. Number one, you know, you're kind of talking to them, building that relationship, especially if it's a similar in a similar industry. And you may be able to build a relationship to the point with that person where you say, hey, you know, I'm trying to figure out where I should go for some capital. I know you guys had such and such investor. He seems like a really great guy. Do you mind just a really light intro? Tell them what we're up to. And obviously, at the very beginning of that, they have to buy into what your business is doing. But that's a couple of ways that you can get around just a cold outreach. But that just doesn't work. So you never, ever want to send you got to go these other routes and the ideal thing is you get a couple of different people before you even talk to that person you do the linkedin thing see who your connection is you reach out to a couple of his portfolio companies they mention you to them and then you're coming in on the back end this is kind of a more complicated i want your money is thing so i wrote a post a long time ago i used to joke with a couple of friends and all these crazy emails and connections that i would get where people are basically just almost just asking for money, right? And that's a horrible way to go about it. You're saying just straight up cold. It's a horrible way to, to go about it. So I want to write a post about it. I called it, I want your monies. And, <laughs> and it was just, I was trying to introduce a better way to reach out. There's a bunch of people that have done some interesting things there. And you can read about those. We'll put links to them in the show notes. But yeah, I think what you're saying was really interesting though. Let me get back to that. Where you're saying you look on, let's say, Angels List or whatever, you find out they've invested in some either local entrepreneurs or some entrepreneurs that you can connect with much easier you get connected with them and then ask them for an introduction from that investor. So I got two questions for you guys because I love the idea. So let's say I reach out to them. Like, why do they want to connect with me? I mean, they're easier to connect with. So I can just, you know, chat about their business a little bit and kind of, you know, maybe do a call and ask some questions about their business, see if there's any like, you know, things we can work on together or do together. But then how do you introduce the idea that you find and make deals? And then how do you, build enough a relationship with them where they'll make that introduction. That would seem to be kind of a, like, would it be difficult for them to make that intro because they don't know you that well and they don't want to ruin their relationship with the investor? Is there a problem there at all? Most of the time they've gotten their money from that investor. And if they feel like there's a real value add, especially if you're letting them know a lot of what I'm looking for at this point is advice. And so we're going back to that whole thing where we're not going to them saying, Hey, I want to get money from your investor. We're going to them saying, hey, man, you've helped me out a lot. You maybe give them some advice and, and help them. And you're building that relationship. But the thing that you're letting them know is, hey, you know, I know you've got this investor. I'm wondering if they know anybody that might be interested in that deal. And that little on the word, on how you word it, I've just seen it helps you get in the door to that introduction a lot easier because you're not coming at them saying, hey, I want to raise money for your guy. And then you do stand up to that. You're still going back through the process that we just talked about where you're asking them for advice, you're asking for networking and, you know, introductions and you're kind of going and it just creates this loop and it gets easier. So this isn't to say, and the reason that this is so powerful isn't that you get all of this money on your very first deal. The truth is for, you know, my clients and, and even for my deals, before I even tell anybody, and, and this is another big thing, before I tell anybody that I'm raising money, the money is pretty much raised. 
So I'm spending a ton of time. When I go to that in that other business, I'm not saying that I'm raising capital. So two things that I guess the other side of that that I personally would say is I'm thinking about maybe raising some capital. And I'd love to get some feedback from your investor just to see if it's worth doing and maybe get some advice. And who knows, maybe he knows somebody that would be interested in doing it. But, you know, I appreciate you guys. They've spent time with me. They know I'm not sketchy. And, you know, so you're almost, you know, like you said, I want your monies. The uh, awesome thing about going through this approach that we use is basically never ask for money. Yeah. <laughs> I am never asking anybody for money. So by the time that, you know, basically I'm doing the network, I'm telling them about the deal, that kind of thing, I get people that say yes. Or I get everybody says no and it's not worth doing. And then by the end of that process, I got enough yeses and I go back to them and say, okay, great. I've decided to raise this capital. Now you can put in money. It's funny you talk about starting to have those conversations after you've pretty much raised the money. We're in a similar position right now for a portfolio where we've pretty much got the $500,000 we are looking for to start pulling it together and get the portfolio together. And now we're thinking, you know, what we could do, why don't we just open this up to like $800,000 to a million? And we've still got a bunch of people that are asking questions and stuff. So why don't we have those, and we've been thinking about this, why don't we just have those conversations and tell them, look, we've already got it. And when you tell people that, like, look, we've already got it, it's good, like they'd naturally want to get involved, right? It's like a FOMO thing you're missing out so they're like you know they're like oh well how do i get in on this yeah. deal it's so funny how that works but they're like oh how could is there any way and you go no 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 it requires this much and and they ask what well, can i put in more and no 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 we got a limited here <laughs> and it like that works so well it's amazing yes that's the other part of it yeah we did this with a guy <laughs> we said look you know well it's minimum 100,000 right and we said max is 200,000 he's like well i have like you up to 300,000 to put in we're like no we really want to cut it out because we want multiple investors in this deal we don't want to do any one investor to you know own the larger piece of it and he was like well maybe i can just go and buy some other sites or whatever with the additional money and we said yes or you can wait and we can open up an additional round where people can put in money later so yeah yeah that <laughs> works really well it's interesting it is. It does. I mean, literally, that's what it ends up becoming. And that's really what you want. You know, you're kind of saying, hey, I do need you to tell me how much now because we have more investors than we have room in the deal. So I need you to go ahead and commit. You know, when you can tell somebody that this is the max that you can do because I've got these other people, that's really powerful. And, you know, for me, I've been doing it for a while. So people pretty much know when about the time that I say, hey, I'm raising money for this deal, it's going to get raised. And if you don't give me a commitment really quickly, you're not going to get in on the deal. So you've got like that conversation to really say, yes, this is the amount. Let's wire the money. And after that, it's done. Yeah, we have that too. So like uh, with our smaller sites, let's say sites under 15 grand or so, right? They go so quickly that we have a lot of people that just can't get them quick enough. And they'll put a deposit down and they'll be thinking about it and like looking through it and then someone else will buy it out from under them. And while that's really frustrating from their perspective and I feel kind of bad. So like we try to limit that a bit. So it's not too many people. It's also great for business, right? <laughs> because they're like, I've yeah. lost two deals now. I'm not losing this next one. I'm going to get this done, <laughs> right? They have to like start driving in. So, you know, it's helpful from a brokerage perspective. I can see how it's pretty frustrating from the buyer's perspective and we're working on things that I think will help. Let's kind of bring this home, man, and talk about uh, bringing home the cash. I think this has a lot to do with, 
getting organized and doing a little you know, preparation. And one of the things you need to think about is when you're raising money, when you're raising capital, are you willing to do the work? And I'm not talking about the work after the fact, after you raise the money. Everyone likes to do that, right? Because, oh, it's fun spending money. It's fun, you know, growing these uh, spreadsheets and having these predictions that, you know, aren't based on reality yet. That's, that's fun. That's nice to think about. But there's work that's required just to get the money. And there's there are compromises and things that you're going to have to make in your current business, your current sites that you're working on that you're going to have to make that you have to give up time for because you're raising money. And so I think you need to consider that. A lot of people don't consider the time, effort, and energy that goes into bringing in the money. All they do is they consider when they actually get it. And I think that's something you need to look at. And you had mentioned before that you know we talked about legal a little bit. There, it might be a good idea to talk to an attorney, talk to an accountant at the very beginning of the process, not have these long, drawn-out, you know, agreements with them, but at least kind of run it by them and make sure that your plan seems to make sense. If you can go in with the plan that has at least been, you know, they're not mad at you for doing it. They're not, you know, no one's going to let, no attorney or accountant is going to say just A-OK, that's perfectly fine, but at least they have to be pretty good with this. So you at least know, you feel comfortable getting started. Yeah, obviously, you know, everybody wants things to be done the easy way. But doing a little bit of work on the front end, organizing, as well as talking to the attorney sometimes can lead, like I I mentioned in my case, to an investor. You know, some of my uh, best deals have actually been uh, referred to me through accountants and attorneys because guess what? Investors usually are talking to their accountants and their attorneys. (laughs) So that becomes a time that you can leverage and network. And and again, you're, you're still doing this whole process of asking, hey, is there anybody that you think I should talk to about this deal? The other part of this is organizing a little bit of what we talked about before. I mean, you should have a spreadsheet. So we have a spreadsheet that we use that shows, hey, here are the different investors, here's the level of interest, and here's some of their feedback. And it makes it really easy to go back, talk to those folks, make sure that we're doing everything in an organized fashion so that when we get down to asking for the cash, we know who's committed what level, And, you know, we're putting the money in and able to follow up with those folks that are most interested in all that good stuff. So, yeah. So the other part of the getting organized, it's funny to me that when we are, when I get investors that come and they're like, okay, I'm ready to raise some money. I'm going to put together my pitch deck and I've got, you know, my PowerPoint and all this stuff. Now I'm ready to go to investors. And that is something that's done on the back end. So you want to wait until pretty much you've got your investors organized, you've got your spreadsheet, you talk to the attorney, you talk to the account, you've got feedback from all the investors. Now you actually do have the tool pretty much after people have kind of committed to go back and say, okay, here's the official pitch deck. Here's what we're putting together. Are you in or out? And you can take everything through almost like a marketing funnel. I think it's also important to know kind of who your investor avatar is too, right? And you have to know that we don't have to know that up front at the very beginning. That may change over time, but it's good to know kind of what's best for you and best for kind of your long-term vision. So we recently had a situation where we were thinking that ultimately we want to do crowdfunding for like website portfolios. We thought if people would come in like a $2,000, $5,000, $10,000 level, we just get a ton more investors. We thought it'd be a lot more interesting. And after talking to a few potential investors and, and getting their advice, they helped us realize that that would be a really bad idea because 
generally the investors putting in $5,000, $10,000 are going to want daily or weekly updates from you. They're going to want to get on the phone. And if you have 100 of those guys, 200 of those guys, <laughs> it's going to be miserable, right? So it's much more difficult. Like, why not deal with the high net worth investors to start yeah. and then trickle it down to the smaller investors because they're just so much more difficult to deal with. And and that, you know, just by talking and getting this advice from other high net worth investors, it made sense. Now, he might have been selling us on why we should work with him instead, <laughs> instead of doing the crowdfunding route, but it made sense. Another thing that was interesting to us is how much investors wanted to make sure that they're able to get in again on the next deal or that they want first dibs the second time around. And their reasoning for that is, you know, it's hard to find good deals. So they find a good deal. They want to make sure they can put their, they can double down on their money, that they can continue on with that deal and that it's not just all of a sudden open to anyone and everyone. And they took a risk on you early and don't get the payout on that by doubling, tripling, quadrupling their investment over time. They want that first dibs. Look, I'm taking a risk on this investment with you. I want to know that the next deal we do or the, the third deal that you do, that you come to me first. I thought that was pretty interesting. And I think you can use that as leverage for the new investors that you talk to or, or other people you're trying to bring in. Say, look, you know, the first round or the first guys that come in, they're going to get first look at any uh, future deals I do as well. And so that's a good selling point. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and so there's, we could go, there's so many little nuances to this that we could go on and on. But I, I feel like for the average person, even just that thought of starting to approach their friends and family is something that just most people don't do and they don't think is possible. But, you know, I think we've given the case study that, you know, you guys are doing it. We're doing a lot of it. And, and not just us who are known in the space, but, you know, I've got plenty of clients that are, you know, known by, by no one. And they're able to go out, tell the storyline of here's what's going on in the world of buying and selling internet businesses. Here's the deal that I'm looking at. Here's the due diligence I've done and, and all of that and be able to raise capital. And so that's a, a really exciting place to be because it's not dependent on credit. It's not dependent on some amazing business plan or relationships with a bank or any of those things. You can, as an individual, young, old, whatever, be able to go out and raise capital to do a deal. All right, Ace, here's the deal, man. I already raised some money for my friends and family. We're connected, right? I've got you in my database. I'm reaching out to your friends and family. That's the next step. Your friends and family, you're going to get me on the phone with your aunt, with your cousin. <laughs> We're going to have a conversation and they're going to give me some money. No, man, I, I really appreciate your uh, kind of walking us through this. I really like your experiences here. You've done it for a long time. I think this is something that we're relatively new with and, and trying to figure out as we go along. So it's been great talking about this with you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And hopefully we'll inspire somebody to go out and raise some capital. Yeah, if you're listening to this and it did inspire you to go out and raise some money, do let us know. Leave us a comment. Send us a shot. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to The Web Equity Show. Now is your chance to be a part of the action. Go to www.webequityshow.com slash gift and send us your business acquisition or exit question and have it answered on the show. 